This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. What the Lord has me talking about today isn't a sermon. It is a sermon, but that's not all it is. How many know that America is in serious, serious trouble? Serious trouble. And how many know that the only one that can turn America around is Jesus Christ? And who's his body? We are Christians. We're the body of Christ. The head of the body is Jesus. The head of the church is Jesus. But just as all of you have a head on your body, your head can take all kinds of things it wants to do, but if your body doesn't cooperate, it won't do it. I remember when the Lord taught me about how the body works years ago. We just had a man in our church had a stroke. And this man had the stroke. He was really incapacitated. And as the Lord began to teach me that day about how spiritual things work, I was eating breakfast. Mrs. Pastor fixed me breakfast right before church. And all of a sudden, I became so aware of my senses. I smelled the coffee. I smelled the bacon. And I looked at it with my eyes. And I thought, boy, that will taste good. My taste buds began to work. But then I realized that if my hands didn't move, that wouldn't help me at all. I had to have my hands be a part of it. My mouth had to open and close to be a part of it. And then the Lord took me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where it says each party, each part of the body has significance. And so I realized that James, the man that had the stroke, had a body like mine. He couldn't do what I was doing because his parts wouldn't work. His brain was working, but his hands wouldn't move. He had to have somebody feed him. And so as much as he wanted to enjoy what they served him to eat, he couldn't do it because his body wouldn't cooperate. Jesus wants to deliver the United States of America. If the body of Christ doesn't cooperate, America's done. I remember years ago, I was in a ministerial association, and back at that point in time, we had some racial problems in the area we lived at. And so these ministers, I I honestly think some of them weren't even saved people. They wanted to bring African-American kids together, and they wanted to bring white kids together, but we didn't really have very many black people in our county. So what they wanted to do, they hired some off-duty policemen to meet them in another county and take our white kids, hook them up to the black kids in the inner city with the police to be there so they wouldn't fight each other. And they said, we're going to, we're going to get unity in the races. And at the minister's meeting, they wanted to know what the preachers thought. And I said, well, I'll tell you, it doesn't make it for what we think. There's many plans in a man's mind, but it's only the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. I said, you must be born again, Jesus said in John chapter 3. You must be born again. Until you change what's on the inside, the outside's not going to change. And so I told these preachers, I said, you're going about the wrong way. You can't have police that make these kids like each other. I said, why don't we start preaching the new birth to the young people in our city? 
Romans 5, 5, I told him, says that the love of God fills our heart when we receive Jesus. I said, these kids need to have the love of God to be able to quit fighting each other. And you know what the preachers did? I think that was the last meeting I ever went to. They laughed at me. And they said, I remember the head said, well, Bernie, we don't have your enthusiasm. And I said, it's not enthusiasm, it's the Bible. And so I want to tell you right now, for all the different things that people's tried to do in America, that's worked really good, hasn't it? In 1 John chapter 5, it says that the whole world is under the influence of the evil one. That's the devil. And so the problem we have in America, number one, they're of demonic origin. Number two, you have non-born again people in positions of authority are trying to do things and all they do is pleasing the devil. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus come to give life to that more abundantly. And so the only thing that's going to change America is for the body of Christ to get hooked up with God's plan. And the only way we're going to know God's plan is, number one, be born again ourselves. Somebody the other day uh, was telling me that, Pastor, I feel called to ministry. He said, can you help me? What should I do? You know what I said? I said, stay saved. That may sound like a simple answer, but I've been around this for 41 years. And everybody that gets a call from God doesn't stay saved. Some of them stay barely saved. Some of them stay saved when they want to come to church until it's athletic season. Or whatever season it is in their life, then all of a sudden, Jesus is the head of the church. And so if you're hooked up with the head, you come to church. And so the only way you're going to see God change your nation is for you to stay saved. Stay hooked up with what God wants to say and then submit to men and women of faith that have the fruit of a Christian, have the fruit of a Christian leader. And you know, I think about what Paul said. One time I did a study on it several times. I don't know how many times now through the New Testament Paul said, made this statement. Number one, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. And then he said many times, follow those who the Lord put over you as they follow the Lord. How can you tell if a man or woman of God is following Jesus? Well, number one, they'll do things Jesus did. We'll walk in love. We'll love people no matter what's going on. Number two, they'll be faith people. They see faith working in the life where they get results. They'll always preach unity. Amen. They'll live in life with the Word of God. As a matter of fact, you could judge a man or a woman that's in the ministry by looking at their family. Amen. You can watch what's going on. And so Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. How do you know if I'm following Christ? Am I doing the things that Christ would do? On your jobs, when people look at you as a Christian... They ought to be able to see Christ in your works. They ought to be able to see Christ in the things you're doing. Amen? And so for us, you know, I'm really serious about what I'm going to be talking about today. For us, I just know that myself, I look at America 
And all I wanted to do is spiritually throw up every day. I walked away from watching the news back in November. I still keep up from a distance of what's going on. Can you turn me down a bit, Tom? I got too much of a something up here. And so I know what's going on, but I don't have to hear a hundred times every day. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. I know what's happening. And the times that I turn the TV on to see news, I watch about two minutes of it. I say, this is the same thing they said all last year. This is the same thing they said all the year before that. I know what's going on. I know where it's coming from. But I also know who the Bible says. It says, keep your eyes upon Jesus. It says, look away from all that will distract unto Jesus. The author and finish of our faith. And so, you know, Dr. Barclay, we just spent a week with him down in San Diego, down in, actually down at Vista, California. And Dr. Barclay said months ago he told his church family, he said, don't mention the word COVID to me. Don't mention the word election to me. Don't talk about ballots or fraudulent ballots. Don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. He said, all that's going to do is suck us under. He said, let's start talking about Jesus, what Jesus says he's going to do, what Jesus wants to do, and what we're going to do is we follow Jesus. And I thought, well, wow, I've never said that to my church, but that's how I've lived since November. And so I just want to tell you, listen to what we've got today, say what we're going to say today. And you know what I want, I want, I was thinking about something this morning when I was praying before I delivered this message is this. God gives a man a help me to help him follow the plan of God. And men, if you got a wife that loves Jesus, I didn't say she's perfect because you're not perfect. But if you got a wife that you know you guys are married because God wants you married, Listen to her. Before I pastored my first church, I knew I was called of God to pastor a church. And I'd given the call back to him. And I thought, well, I'll just stay being a truck driver because it's not going to work. Well, this lady, back in the summertime of 19, was 92? 92, said, what are you going to do about your calling? I said, nothing. I said, belongs to God. And she said, if I rent a place and get people to show up, will you preach? I said, yeah, but I'm going to lift a finger and make it happen. So she rented a YMCA and she pushed me out of the boat. Remember, Peter got out of the boat to walk on water? And to me, that was walking on water. So she pushed me out of the boat. I went to the YMCA and God filled up those two little rooms with people. And I put a lot of money in the first offering. And so I said, okay, I'll come back again. And so that's the beginning of our church. Well, these things that God talked to me about, I'm really going to talk about this book today because it's a God book. And when he spoke to me for those several months back in the year 2000, I recorded journals and journals and journals and volumes and volumes and volumes. I had a lot of open visions. I don't preach about visions. I had a lot of the really, the real voice of God talking to me a lot of times. I wrote down a lot of things, but I put it on the spiritual shelf. You know what that means? I put it up there and said, I'm not going to touch it. And so my wife last year kept talking to me about this. And I said, I said, man, that's, that, that's history. That's in God's hands. She said, 
Well, I want to write a book about it. Said, could I get your journals? I said, yeah, if you want to. So I keep, I keep them in these little covered, I, I call them little totes, those things you buy at Walmart, those little clear things that you seal up to the stuff. And she dug out all my journals at that point in time. So she spent several months last year condensing things out of those journals. And that's what this book is. And so she pushed me out of the boat again. And so we have these things in a book now. And I want to say it again because sometimes it sounds like people try to sell books. I'm not trying to sell any books. This is things that God gave your man of God, the pastor of this church. He gave to me for the body of Christ. And we've known for some time, I've told you, that the Lord, I believe, is going to send she and I to denominational churches. Not churches like ours. The churches don't know about Holy Ghost things. Churches don't know about the gifts of the Spirit. Churches don't know about speaking in tongues. Because if God's going to move through the body of Christ in America, then the body of Christ needs to know more than what they know in America. Amen? And so Mrs. Pastor believes this book's going to be a launching thing to get us to other places. that people are going to see us on the Internet. People are going to see this book and read things in here. And they're going to think, wow, that couple's got something we need to hear. And I want to say it again. I'm not a person that's a really want to be up front person. I like to be behind the scenes praying and doing things behind the scenes. But God started that church, and that church back in Indiana, we become one of the biggest churches in the area after just a very short time on TV twice a week, influencing the politicians, the police, sheriffs, and all the people in that area there because it was a God thing. And so just like where we are right now, I believe this is a God thing, and God's going to use this book to do some things. So anyway, this book will be available in the bookstore back there if you want to buy a copy. And really, I recommend you do, because I'm probably going to be talking about this for quite a while, you know, as the Lord leads in the church here about things in the book. And so, of course, I'll be hitting things and a lot of new things that are fresh right now for where we are. But the main thing is, I want to say this, don't just be uh, stupid, lukewarm Christians. Your kids are not going to have a nation if things don't turn. Your grandkids are never going to know the America that we knew if things don't turn. As Pastor Dave said some of the last few, last few weeks, he's been to some foreign countries. I have too. I've seen what socialism does. I've seen what communism does. I've seen what it's like to be an atheist nations. I've been to Ukraine. The people in Ukraine when I was there, was about the time the Iron Curtain fell. And people under about 20 years old couldn't look you in the eye because all they'd ever known was communism. At that point in time, the young people, teenagers just coming up, they had some freedom there to a certain degree because they weren't communists. But all the people my age, they couldn't look at anybody because they'd been raised in a place, just like America's tried to become, where they had spies to hear how they talked about the government in private. They had relatives that turned on relatives to turn them into the KGB because that's the way it was there if no God. I've seen what it's like. I've been to Nicaragua several times where they've got two classes. they got the very wealthy political class and the ones that work with them that have really nice cars, nice places. But I'd say down there when I was down there, 90% of the nation or more, 95% were people didn't have anything. Nothing. I saw old people down there picking up sticks out of the jungle to cook in open pots 
to try to find something to cook down there. That's what the devil's plan is for America. America became what America is that we knew for so many years because of what's on our money. In God we trust. And so we're talking about what precedes a major move of God. And so that's some of the things we're going to be talking about. By the way, I'll just give you, I'm not going to talk about this today. But over the course of time, the Lord told me the number one thing precedes the major move of God. He said, I always call my people's position of prayer first, always. And we're not talking about, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. We're talking about people that have a conversation with Jesus and they stop to listen to what Jesus said back to them. They have their Bibles open. They're not just praying in their car on the way to work as they listen to all kinds of music and stuff. They said, oh God, thank you for letting me have a good day today. No trouble today. Thank you for a good day today. Lord, thank you for blessing my family or our four no more. Talk about people that actually do what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. They have a place called their prayer closet. And the prayer closet has no physical address. The prayer closet is a spiritual place. It could be on your job on your break time. It could be anywhere, anytime where you shut out the world. You have your Bible open. You have your heart open. And, you know, I really suggest you learn to write things down, a journal type thing, and write things down the Lord speaks to your heart, that kind of prayer. And then he said the number two thing that precedes the major move of God is God raises up leadership. He always raises up leaders. When you read all the great stories of victories in the Bible, it was always people praying for help from God, and then God sent Moses. God sent Gideon. God sent Joshua. God sent Noah. Whoever it is in the Bible, you read the Bible, God always sent somebody to tell the people what God was saying to them they need to do for the time they lived in. And then the number three thing he said was unity. The people had to get in unity and quit shooting each other. They had to get in unity with the Spirit of God and the leader, man or woman, that God raised up together to pull together, to work together to get things done. Amen? And you know, unity actually is the key to the book of Acts. One heart, one accord, it says. Say they're all unified in one place, praying together, eating together sitting under the Word of God together, and then going out and doing things together to win the world. And so that's not where we're at today and what we're going to look at, but prayer, leadership, and unity are the three things that God showed me is a, has to be the primary ingredients for God to move in America. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, put this up on the street again so they can see that. They can put that up there again. Let's see that book again. And so that's what the book looks like. It'll be back there. By the way, Julie designed the cover, right? She helped design it. Okay. There's lots of people helping this. But, you know, I'm thinking about what Jesus said so many times. Jesus said, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. And so you have spiritual spiritual ears as well as natural ears. You have spiritual eyes as well as natural eyes. 
And so you have a spirit person that lives on the inside of your physical body. And so as we say things to get today, just have, have, have your heart open, have your spiritual ears open for God to speak to you. So I want to, I want to say it again. You can't live how you've been living and think that God's going to do the great thing in your life. You can make it to heaven. If that's your only goal and you've been living a lukewarm life, then just keep on living like you're living. You'll make it to heaven. But if you really want to be somebody that God uses to change our nation, as somebody said, how can I change our nation? Number one is change you. Number two, when you change you, you'll be helping change the people in your family around you because you're changing. Number three, as your family's changing and getting more hooked up with God, you'll help change your church to be a better church. And then number four, this is all stuff coming straight from the Spirit of God. It's nothing written down. Number four, as your church changes to be a better church and have more anointing, more influence, you'll start to change your city. Then as you start to change your city, you'll start affecting the region. And then as God's working in churches across the area, you'll always start changing your region, you'll start changing your state. I'm talking about how God does things. God does things in increments, in phases. And so as your state's changing, and because God is so awesome, you know, something that I still, my head never understands, how can God right now, know what I was doing in my life yesterday and in my prayer closet, how I prayed what I did at the same time in a Muslim country, hear a Muslim crying out to God, knowing what they're doing. And then somebody else, somewhere else, knowing everybody everywhere all the time, what they're praying, what they're doing, et cetera, et cetera. How's he that awesome? That's why I'm saying this. The Spirit of God wouldn't just be talking to me, one man of God, God's talking to men and women of God all across America right now. And, you know, they may be preaching the message in a different way, but it's going to be the same flow. God has people tell the people that are submitted to them, here's what you need to do so God can change America. And so, as I say, it starts with you. And so, as the church begins to do its part and affect the city and the region, and states begin to change, then did you ever think what the name of America is? United United, that means unity. United States of America. You know what the devil's favorite word is for America? A nation divided. You know what God's word is? Unity, get in unity, get in unity. And so as churches, matter of fact, back in that time the Lord talked to me, I remember something else he told me. He said he wants unity in the churches. And unity among the churches. And you know the only way that we're going to be united in this church is if we all, if we all read the same Bible. And I'm not talking about New Living Translation, King James. I'm talking about the Holy Bible that God inspired. As we get in unity with the Bible, what the Bible has to say, then we're in unity. We lay down our heads. Lay down our emotions, our stupidities. Say, well, the Bible says that, so that's how I'm going to live. 
And then you know how there becomes unity among the churches? When the churches begin to have the Bible be their standard of belief. That's what they believe. It's so easy for church members to get along with church members when we're living by the Bible. It's so easy for pastors and churches to get along when we're saying the Bible's how we're going to do this. That's what we're going to do. Because Jesus is the Word. Amen? And so unity is such a big thing. And so I, I want to say it again. As we listen to, th- to things today, don't just listen to this as, well, that was a, that was a good sermon. And then people ask you tomorrow, well, what did your pastor preach about today? I don't know, but it was really good. We're not talking about really good. We're talking about transforming America. We're talking about getting this thing back. This thing's been forward, back, backwards long enough, man. I'm ready to turn this thing around. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. And so I want to start off with, to, to lay, a, lay a background, a foundation for how God talked to me and why he talked to me the way he did. So you know where I'm coming from to locate me. Look at Habakkuk chapter 2. That's in the Old Testament. And, you know, I think, it, I think it's so good if you can bring your own Bibles, not just look at something on a screen or to sit and stare into space. But I don't know about you. Let, let, me, let me just, this is not a setup. Let me just ask you, how many people here are born again Christians? How many people here, Jesus is your Savior? Have you ever noticed in your life as a Christian <clears throat> that the Bible makes more sense to you when you've got it open looking at it? You know, you can write verses down on a card. You can have verses on an iPhone. You can have verses on a computer. But there's something about the pages of a real Bible. When you open up a Bible and look at it, it just seems like it becomes alive. And so that's what I'm saying. You know, I, I just really hope that you have a real Bible to look at and look at these verses with us because Jesus said he's the good shepherd and his sheep know his voice. And so as I'm sharing the things I'm sharing... If you get to sit out of a Bible like I'm looking at a Bible, I believe it's really going to pierce your heart. It's say more to you than just hearing words. You know, the Lord told me before that the only difference between a politician and a preacher, I'm talking about a preacher that's a real preacher that's born again, has the Holy Spirit working in this. He said, they both say a lot of words, except the politician's words have no life in them. The preacher's words are anointed from God, and they have life in them. And so you can listen to a good political speech and think, man, man, oh, man, that was really good. But it didn't give you any revelation from God. But when you listen to a preacher that's walking with God, that has the Holy Spirit, the anointed of God, it goes to your heart. And so for me, I like to do everything I can to prepare my heart to receive. That's why I pray before I come to church. If I was going to, like, Dr. Barclay's meetings last week, I wanted to hear from God, and I did every day. Because I went in there with my Bible open, my heart open, my spiritual ears open, and God talked to me every day. And so as we look at the things we're looking at, follow along in the Word of God. And if you don't have a Bible with you, and you want to look at somebody's Bible beside you, I guess for social distance purposes, if you got big eyes and you look six feet away. But anyway, just try to follow along. And so... Uh, this is how I got a position so that Jesus could talk to me. And to start off with, the way this thing all started 
was back in August of the year 2000, Jesus caught me totally off guard. We were getting ready to go to a, to a, to a convention, a, a ministry convention in Branson, Missouri, and it was Sunday afternoon in August. And the family's in the car, and I was getting the last few things. I remember I was walking past my dining room table grabbing something, and all of a sudden, just like us, you get busy, all of a sudden I heard these words just as clear as the bell in my spirit. I want to be your prayer partner. I was a pretty serious praying Christian already, I thought. As a preacher, I prayed. God was moving our church in our life. I want to be your prayer partner. Well, I, I, my kids went to a Christian school. I knew where that phrase came from. At the Christian school, every year they assigned a prayer partner to each student. They had somebody in the school was their prayer partner, somebody they prayed with. And so when he said that, I heard it, and it was very definitely God. But man, this in the car. I got in the car, and all of a sudden, like the next day, I went, whoa! I thought you were! And that's when this whole journey started. And so, Habakkuk chapter 2, I knew that I'd get in position, says this. I will stand upon my watch. Do you remember Jesus said, watch and pray? How many know that Jesus said, watch and pray? As I'm talking about watching natural events, it's talking about your spiritual eyes open, watching in the Spirit. With your spiritual eyes. Paul said to Ephesians chapter 1, pray for our eyes of understanding to be open. That's your spiritual eyes. And so uh, the prophet here said, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me. But watch to see what he will say unto me. Isn't that just the opposite of what most people's prayer life is? They're doing all the talking, not waiting to see what he's got to say. I will watch and see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I him reproved. And so through this season, I went through things. The Lord talked to me a lot about the word reproved. How many here know that the Bible talks about man must be proven faithful? What do you know that God wants to reprove you over and over again, prove you faithful over and over again? Reproved? And then he told me this. He said, when you're reproved, you're improved. In other words, Mike, where you were last year doesn't count this year. God wants you to prove to him where you are this year with him. Amen. Amen. You know, I can say that to every person in here. Where you walked out last year was good, but God says, where are you walking now? He said, well, I'll answer what I've reproved. And so, I'll tell you something happened to me during those times. I don't really have any notes, just these scriptures based on what I'm going to talk about, but I'm thinking now about things that happened to me. When the Spirit of God stayed on me for all those months there, most of us, I know I didn't think I did, but I found out I did, most of us have had answers. We've always heard preachers say, people say about things in life. Well, what's God say about this? What's well, you can quote the Word of God. But I've become to find, find out some things. At that time of talking, it was God really talking to me, not just little impressions, which we always get. This was a season where he actually talked to me. And during that time, he'd ask me questions. And for the first couple of weeks, he'd ask me something. 
I quickly give the answer I always heard. Then I found out real quick that wasn't the answer he wanted. <laughs> and so I learned during this time when God asked me something, not be real quick to answer, just keep my mouth shut. I keep my mouth shut. Because I thought, man, this answer I've always heard somebody else say, you know, the answer they said, no doubt, I listened to good preachers, was in line with the Word of God. But when God asked you a specific question, you know, I think about Matthew chapter 16. If you're familiar, familiar with that, Jesus says to his disciples, whom do men say that I am? And then they said, well, some say you're Elijah. Said, some say you're one of the prophets. And then Jesus said, but who do you say I am? And the only one that got the right answer was Peter. He said, well, you're the Christ. Said, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed that unto you, Peter, but my Father which is in heaven. And so, I'm saying this to you. And I'm preaching to me again. It's been 21 years ago since he spoke these things to me. We need, in this season of history, to develop a relationship with Jesus. In our prayer closet, in the Word of God, with our mouth shut and our hearts open and let God speak to things personally for our life. And so he said, and what I shall answer when I'm reproved, what I shall answer. And so as I, I want to say it again, I became swift to hear and slow to speak like James said to be. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. And this book here is just a minor part of that. There's some highlights of the, of the vision. The visions, a lot of things God said to me. Are the, there are some visions here they shared with me. But there's a lot of things in here that God said, and they're really plain in the book. And so he said, and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. And why God said to make it plain, I think about how many here have ever heard deep preachers? They give you all kinds of theological things and all kinds of things, and this means that, and that means this, and all kinds of things. And you think, man, that sounds really neat, but you can't do anything with it. I remember when we pioneered our, our, our first church that there was a really, really, really famous preacher come to Indianapolis, my music minister, some of the people the church with, and they came back talking to me. And I wasn't being a smart aleck. I'd never try to be a smart aleck. I'm just honest. And so I come back. Oh, pastor, pastor, pastor. You should have been there. It was deep. It was deep. I thought, man, this must have been good. He said, oh, pastor, it was really deep. I said, well, what did he talk about? And my music minister rolled his eyes and says, I don't know, pastor. It was deep. That wasn't plain. That wasn't plain that you could run that here it it. And so God wants peach, plea preachers to teach things real simple so you'll know what to do with it. And that's, that's, that, that, that's, that's the gist of things that God taught me all those months there. They were simple that even I understood it. And so, you know, I, I, I like what Dr. Barclay said the other day. Said, 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 he's really a simple-minded man. He said, 
I, I read the word simply and I mind it. So I'm going to stay simple-minded. How about you? Amen. And so he said, he said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables. He may run that readeth it. And all the time he has talked to me and is writing this stuff in journal after journal after journal. I wasn't thinking about preaching it 21 years later and then asking people to join me and follow the plan that God has to change America. I thought just God taught me for my journal and I preached at my church when things were going on. But, you know, I don't think until you, until you read the book, see some what happened back then, you'll understand how this wasn't just a 10-minute prayer with God in the morning time. This started off, I started off by usual time. I, I had a closed front porch. It was really nice front porch, that front porch. There's a closed front porch. Really nice. Had my office desk and things out there too. And I started off in life going out there like six or seven o'clock in the morning, coming in the afternoon. But the month after month this drew, I got, I got to where I was going out there four o'clock in the morning, coming to the house at eight o'clock at night. I lost 50 pounds. I wasn't on a diet. I just wasn't hungry for natural food. And so that's what I'm saying. These things fill up journal, journal, and journal. My wife didn't see me. My kids didn't see me. And it wasn't that I was trying to stay away. It's just the Spirit of God was on me to talk to me. And now I see we're 21 years later. I see more and more why now. I didn't know America was going to take a death spiral. Can you imagine how much God could talk to a man from 4 o'clock in the morning to 8 or 9 o'clock at night not seeing people? And just sitting and listening and writing and listening and writing and listening. That's why I could fill up journal after journal after journal after journal. I've always been a man that starts my day off with the Bible and prayer and journals. I've been that way for all my Christian life. But that was an exceptional time because God saw a needy time coming for Christianity for America. And so anyway, he said in verse 3, For the vision is yet for an appointed time. At the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come and will not tarry. Well, that's 21 years ago. But now we're coming to that time now where America needed God before. Now America better be desperate for God. America better get to the place to where all these social media sites had better quit being their source of information. You know, uh, something Dr. Barclay said that I really see, <clears throat> and, I, <clears throat> and I know it's the truth. He's taught before at our, at, our, at our conferences we go to about the Bible teaches the Old Testament especially. There's two kinds of prophets. you got prophets of God, then you got prophets of the land. And when you read Old Testament stories, they had prophets that were secular people that told what the people wanted to hear. And then you had prophets of God that stood up and told what God said. And a lot of the people wanted to stone them because they said what God said. But the prophets of the land were popular people that didn't know God, that act like they knew God, that said things to influence people. Well, he said something. I really realized that I've seen this happen the last several years. And Christians need not get taken by this and be deceived. He said now on the secular news, and I saw this come to pass the last few years, but he said it and clarified it, I understood it. How many have noticed on the news for years 
they have people get up on there about the things going on, and they'll say, make this statement. What do you see coming? Well, prophets of God see things coming from that God shows them, and then you can kind of, kind of look at that and be able to deal with that and either pray it away or pray so you come through it. On the news, I've noticed for years, a lot of the people they interview are the news guy interviewing the other news guy. You ever notice that? And they always say, what do you see? What do you see? And Christians, too many, are listed the prophets of the land. What do you see coming with COVID? What do you see coming with the economy? What do you see coming with jobs? What do you see coming with this? What do you see coming? What do you see? That Christians are hearing that, and when you talk to each other, instead of saying, well, you know what Jesus said about the last days? You're saying what so-and-so said. Here's what so Did you hear what so-and-so said? Well, so-and-so doesn't believe in Jesus. So-and-so doesn't believe in the Bible. So-and-so doesn't walk with the Holy Spirit. And you're going to base your life around what so-and-so said? My brother, these things not, ought not so to be. And so he said, the vision is yet for an appointed time. An appointed time. Do you know that Jesus Christ was born at an appointed time? God had it pre-planned. He came on the scene right at the right time. Do you know that God has an appointed time the rapture of the church is going to take place? Jesus said the Son doesn't even know. said only the Father knows. God has a lot of appointed times. We're at the appointed time right now. For a great revival in America. We're at a point in time for a great move of God. And so it says, though it come, wait for it, it'll surely come. And so, and so God told me to get in that position of prayer. I got alone with him, just like he said right here. I watched to see what he had to say and what I had to answer, and I wrote it down. And now we're at this point in time. I want you to look at Amos chapter 3, another Old Testament uh, ver- verses. And these are things that the Lord had me do to prepare to hear from Him as a spiritual leader. I'm not just a Christian. I am a Christian. But also I'm called of God to be a spiritual leader. What do spiritual leaders do? They hear from headquarters. They bring, they, they, they bring the marching orders from headquarters and give it to the troops. You know that, uh, I think about our military. You know, my son Joe is a Marine, but Joe doesn't have the marching orders for the Marine Corps. Joe only gets what they give him. And the ones at the top, they make the decisions what to do and they pass them along. And so Christians get to hear from God. We're all led by the Spirit of God. Christians can read their Bible and know some things. But then God gave us, Ephesians chapter 4 says, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints. Amen. To show us what to do. And so I know that for myself, I don't, I don't say it braggardly or any other way except to say it. I cannot refuse the call of God. Because the refuse to call to God for a man of God, really, it's a premature death. 
You don't get to live out your days to the fullest. You might live a long time. You won't be anointed. You won't be fulfilled. But when you are called from God, Jesus said, many are called if you are chosen. And so when you choose to answer the call, then if God wants to show you things, to show people what to do, to get what God wants, then you got a choice. That's why, that's why he told, yeah, I, th- I think about uh, the different problems. Jeremiah, he said, Jeremiah, he said, don't look at their faces. Because too many times when preachers look at faces, they don't want to say what God told them to say. Because faces sometimes say, I wish he'd shut up. I don't believe the word he's saying. Faces sometimes say, well, I like the prophets of the land. Faces sometimes say, I really like my life the way it is. Don't shake me up. Don't make me mad. I won't come back here again if you make me mad. And so we need, as spiritual leaders, to show the people what God wants us to do. And I want to say it again. I'm not talking about a sermon today. I'm talking about the United States of America. I've lived here since 1951. I have eight children. They're married. I have a lot of grandchildren. I want my family to have the country that God says he wants it to be. And so it just so happens I have a part in God's plan to turn this country around. Amen. Amos chapter 3. Every day the Lord gave me verse 3. Every page, every day of that journal started off with this. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they be agreed? Well, do you know the Bible calls your Christianity, your day-to-day Christianity, your walk with the Lord? How many know that? Our walk with the Lord. Well, do you know that God is not going to change what he believes to agree with your stupid thinking? How can two walk together? I want to walk with him. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to agree with what he says about marriage, even if the Supreme Court doesn't. The Supreme Court did not die for my sins. The Supreme Court is not going to come back and rapture me out of here. No government official can heal my sick child. No government official can deliver me from things the devil tries to put on me. Only Jesus can. And so if I'm going to walk with Jesus, I want to say that again. If I'm going to walk with Jesus and walk close with Jesus, I'm going to say, Sir, what have you got to say about this, whatever it is? And I'm not going to say, well, you know what? All my life, I've heard preachers say this. Well, if they weren't saying like the Bible, they weren't walking with Jesus in that. Every day, he gave me Amos 3.3. Every day, I heard him say to me, can two walk together except they be agreed? And so I more and more and more and more learned to live out of my spirit and not my head. And then I want you to look at verse 7. 
And I'm showing you how he set me up for the things he told me to pass on to the body of Christ in the appointed time. Verse 7, Surely the Lord God will do nothing for he revealed his secret unto his servants, the prophets. I'm not a prophet. I'm a pastor. I'm a Bible teacher. And God does use me in the gift of prophecy sometimes. That doesn't make me a prophet. But as a man of God, from things he's saying, I caught this. Sure, the Lord God, Lord God will do nothing except reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. God always shows leaders what he's about to do. I've shown you why this book has things in it that are from God for the day we live in. It says it does nothing. You know, I think about, I think about some strange things that happened. Before 9-11 happened, as she said, we lived out in the middle of the woods. Had nothing made any noise anywhere around us. We didn't have military things, have things like that. This happened to me two times. And this was several months before 911. I was sitting, I was sitting in that front porch, and all of a sudden I heard explosions. I mean, big, bad explosions. It wasn't California where you hear things. This was in the middle of the woods. I jumped up and I opened the door outside. Did you guys hear that? Didn't see anything. I thought, man, what was that? Boy, that was bad. And then about a week later, I heard the same thing again. Things going off really bad. I looked out there and it wasn't there. And then at that same time period, I had a vision. And in this vision, and this was before 911. In this vision, the area I grew up in, Indianapolis, was called the Garfield area. James A. Garfield, they had a lot of James A. Garfield monuments, had Garfield Park, Garfield Avenue, Garfield Street. For some reason, it was a Garfield area. In this, in this vision, I was walking behind, me and another guy were walking, and we were talking, and there's this man walking in front of us, and we weren't paying attention, and in this thing, in this, this vision, I said, I wonder when, I wonder when uh, James Garfield was president. And this guy was walking in front of us. What a part of our conversation turned around. And with a foreign accent, he said when James A. Garfield was president. And I said, well, you're a foreigner. How would you know that? He said, I'm an Israeli. He said, you put all your tears in one bottle. We cry ours every day. He was talking about the Civil War. And when he said that, the explosions, I knew in my spirit, there's trouble coming to America like we've never had before. We've never had this violence in America like that. We've never had these terrorists in America like that. And this Israeli in this dream said, you put all your tears in one bottle, that was bloodshed in America. He said, we cry ours every day, they're attacked every day. What's happened since that time? Do you realize before 9-11 we'd ever had anything like those things in America we've had now for the last bunches of years? And so God saw that coming. He showed me that coming. 
And then today, I'm not going to tell you what he's told to me that, but I guess I can tell you. When I was watching, when I was watching, one of my ministers of the church called me on 9-11. He said, Pastor, turn on your television. He said, the World Trade Center just got hit. I turned my television on, and right when I turned it on, I saw live that second plane hit the second tower. And I heard this. Those have been your gods. Let them save you. How about the finances, the money? Do you know that America worships money? You know a lot of Christians worship money? Didn't save us, did it? And so he says he reveals things. And so when God wants to do something, he always says it first, and then he needs his people to do their part to cooperate with him. One more place I want to look at is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. And again, I'm setting up for what I did to be a position why God would talk to me years ago about the times we live in. I'll give you a chance to get there because it's so important to see things with your own eyes. Second Peter 3.8 says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. If the Bible says don't be ignorant, I'm not going to be ignorant. And what's ignorant? That means lack of knowledge you don't know. And so God says, don't be ignorant of this one thing. One day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And so as I reflect, and a lot of things I'm saying right now, I haven't thought of for years. That vision, a lot of things I haven't thought of, I haven't looked at. But spiritual things are always fresh. You know, most of the Bible verses that I ever quote, I can still in my heart know what I was doing the season of life I was in when I learned those verses because it's spiritual. It's different between the spiritual and the head. I've said it before, I don't memorize the Bible. I meditate in the Word of God. It gets in my heart. It comes out of my spirit. It bypasses my head. It comes out of my mouth because I don't memorize it. I read verses over and over again and study them, but when I do, I believe the Holy Spirit plant them in my heart. And then that's why they come back so easy. But uh, I think about the time we're living in now. That was 21 years ago when the Lord spoke these things to me. It's just like he did it last week. All of a sudden it's fresh again because it's from, it's from the Spirit of God. And, you know, I think about this. One day is a thousand years. A thousand years likes one day. Has, how many have ever heard that there's a difference between eternity and time? There's no time in eternity. It's eternal. Eternity has no beginning. It has no ending. There's no time in eternity. And so, I heard a great man of God years ago explain this real simple to me, the way I understand time versus eternity, especially back when things happened back then. The Lord told me, said, there's some things about my timing you're going to learn. And then, because I learned to know his voice, he said, and you will learn. Wow, boy, did I learn. And so here's the way this man taught on time versus eternity. really helped me understand it. How many of you have ever seen a wagon wheel with spokes? 
You know the axle in the middle of it, the wheel turns on it, the hub, the axle in the middle. Okay, the axle doesn't move. The wheel moves. Okay, so that's like God in eternity. God never moves. God never changes. God's always the same. That's eternity. It's always there. But then those wheels, those spokes, said they represent segments of time. God, in the center of it all, is right there. God can look at a slice of time, look through that spoke. God can see creation taking place. All he has to do is look at that spoke because there's no time. He looks back there as easy as he looks 10,000 years from now. Because God is eternal. And so that's why, that's why Peter said, Peter said, said one day is a thousand years, a thousand years one day. God right now from heaven can look at the day Jesus was born. Just look right at that second and say, wow, there's my son being born. God can look at Calvary and then God could look back in the 1950s when Bernie Samples was taken to church by his Baptist grandma. God can look at November 27, 1982, the day he married Janice Samples. God can look at High Desert Word Center on April 19, 2021 and see this message being preached. When God was giving this to me back in 2000, God saw me today preaching this here. And then God looks at the future. He sees Mike and Betty, what they're going to do when they retire for Jesus. He sees the day they got, they met, the day they got married. And so that's why he says one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. And then through that time period, I learned, and there's lots of Bible passages I teach on this, but I learned why Christians get in trouble. God showed me something years ago to do in the ministry, and I thought it was now. But the closer you walk with God, he puts things in your heart. If you're not seasoned and trained, but God shows you something, you think now, but God shows you something he sees 20 years from now. And sometimes some of us have to learn the hard way. We think, wow, that's now. But when you read, when you read in Peter, for example, it says the prophets, when they saw this salvation coming, we know as New Testament Christians, say they inquired diligently, is this for us? Is this for generations to come? You see what I'm saying? And so that's why today, I talk about these things today as fresh as they were 21 years ago because when God saw them, God could see right now, God can see what's going to happen with America. But I know this, what happens with America really depends on us. He's telling us what to do. And he always wants us to do right. And so, as I reflect on these things, they're so fresh that now's the time for Mrs. Pastor and I to preach and teach what's been entrusted to us. And I'm going to look and read something out of this book because it's so pertinent and it's so real the time we live in. It's a prophecy from September 26 of 2000. And in the book, it's in chapter 7, but when you, you know, when you buy the book, you can read this, a lot of things like it, but I just want to read this. It's so real to me, and 
I, with fear and trembling, know this is going to take place. Go ahead and put that up on the screen, Bailey. On September 26 of 2000, I recorded this prophecy in my journal the Lord gave me about the coming wave or the coming move of God. The coming move of God. Lord, as I pray the Holy Ghost to sharpen my spirit to be sensitive to your leadings and promptings, I believe I'm sensing this. This wave will be twofold, multifaceted. And let me tell you what a wave means. Because some people don't, don't really know that. How many have ever been down to the ocean? Well, we're in California. Everybody out here has been down to the ocean. Well, back, back where I was from, there wasn't any ocean. A lot of water, but no ocean, so we didn't have waves. But I knew from going to the Atlantic Ocean years ago in New England with a family, I knew what waves were. Well, moves of God are like waves in the Spirit coming across the body of Christ, coming across the nation. There'll be a move of God. We had a healing wave years ago. We had a charismatic wave, a move of God. We've had prophetic waves. Lots of waves coming, and so there's different waves coming in. So when you talk about a wave in the Spirit, that's the flow of God coming in. And so we're talking about a move of God. And of course, the title of the book is something that he really spoke hard to me, a very serious, what precedes a major move of God. And so this prophecy here, it talked about waves. It talked to me. I, I, I knew what he was saying. And so I said, I said this. I believe I'm sensing this. This wave will be twofold, multifaceted. Now listen to this and seriously take this to heart for your personal life. Twofold, multifaceted. Part of this move will be judgment, serious judgment. How many believe judgments in the Bible? How many believe nations in the Bible have ever been judged? And nations are going to be judged again. The Bible says in the end times he's going to judge the sheep nations and the goat nations. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to judge the nations that choose him. He's going to judge the nations that rejected him. And so <clears throat> part of this move will be judgment, serious judgment. And God said this to me that day. I will not be mocked any longer by the people and leaders of this nation. How many know that the Bible says God will not be mocked? His mercy, His mercy is long-suffering. His mercy is new every morning, but there comes a point in time when mercy runs out and judgment starts. And so God said, I'll not be mocked any longer by the people, leaders of this nation. I founded and pioneered this nation for my glory to proclaim the good news of salvation through my Son. In spite of all the false prophets of the land, how many know that America was founded as a Christian nation? And do you know when you, when you study real history that before we had an educational system, the schools in America were the local churches and the pastors were the principals and the Christians were the teachers and the Bible was the main textbook? You know, if you've been raised the last two or three generations, then right now, you might be one of those people, your head's going to tilt because your head's been uh, educated at the expense of your spirit. But you need to start learning things about your nation from real history books. Amen. He said, he said, I founded this nation for my glory to proclaim the good news of salvation to my son. I've been sneered at and jeered at long enough. 
the time is rapidly coming, even at the door. There is a price to pay for sin and unrighteous and unholy living, especially among my people. Especially among my people. Christians that have a Bible know what's right and what's wrong. The world doesn't know until they receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit in their heart and begin to read their Bible and sit under right preaching and right teaching. They don't know the difference between right and wrong in any area of life. And so he says, especially among my people, and that's why Peter said judgment must first begin at the house of God. And he said, what chance does the world have if the church doesn't live right? We are a reflection of the family in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're the ones that should not be living in sexual sin. We're the ones that should not be liars. We're the ones that should be quick to forgive. Even ugly politicians that we can tell or try to destroy us. We should be the ones that hate what they're doing but have a concern for their souls. Amen. There's so many things that we as Christians need to do different. But he says, especially my, especially my people, see that you always stay, see that you always stay on the righteous side of me. When I begin my move to America, there'll be no doubt from the greatest to the least that is I. I think about when the children of Israel come out of Egypt. Was there any doubt when those plagues come through where they came from? Who was protected? God's people. The ones that had the blood over the doorpost, they were protected. When Moses held up the rod and the Red Sea parted, Israel went through there. It says they went through there on dry ground. It said the Egyptians tried to do it, and they drowned. What was the difference? Israel walked through in a covenant with God, walking in faith. Egypt came through with no covenant with no faith. And so that tells me that when things begin to fall apart, if we're living on the righteous side of God, covered by the blood of Jesus, that just as surely as Israel was delivered, the body of Christ will be too. Amen? Be no doubt from the greatest to the least as I, the Almighty One. But on the other hand, part of my move, I like this part, will be to judge and bless and reward holiness and righteous living. This is all in life, the Word of God. Galatians chapter 6 says you sow to the Spirit, you reap from the Spirit. It says you sow to the flesh, you reap from the flesh. I think it's time for us as Christians to quit agreeing with every dumb thing we hear on our job. I think it's time we as Christians to quit quoting politicians and newscasters more than we quote Jesus. Somebody said, Amen or O oh, me. To judge and bless and reward holiness and righteous living, that will also be just as obvious and plain to see from the grace to the least among you. And that's what he said. People should look to us and answer us and us to have an answer for the reason. Hope in us. That's what God said right here. We need to live right, have the right things in our life, so people say, Jenny, how come your family's blessed like you are, Jenny? Why are you like that? Jenny, how come you don't know what the latest so-and-so said? You say, well, I can tell you what the latest Jesus said. 
but so-and-so is not my Savior. Amen. So that's what he's saying. Anyway, that's some of what's in this book here. And like I said, it's not to sell a book. It's for us, as the body of Christ, know what to do at the times we live in. And so these things are in the book, a lot of good things. But I'll be preaching these for a season as the Lord leads. And so let's together prepare ourselves to be a part of a major move of God. Let's prepare ourselves. Amen? Amen. Amen. And because we don't have an altar calls and stuff right now, uh, this has kind of cramped my style for the last year because I always closed out before I've been able to pray for people and have people come up. But because we don't do that right now, my my, my stuff kind of is when I turn it over to Pastor Dave. But uh, all I can say is my prayer is sincerely that you didn't just try to listen to a sermon in church today, that you listen with your heart, and you'll watch this again on YouTube or uh, whatever, what's that thing, Facebook, and took notes, and, and, and get, get a copy of that book and start studying some things, because the times we live in, I really believe that we, as the body of Christ, not just our church, the body of Christ in America, we can be a part of the deliverance of America to get it back to where it's supposed to be, but it's totally up to us what we're going to do with what we hear. Amen. Pastor Dave. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.